It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another edition of the Locked on Wizards podcast. Ben Standick here. I am the host of this here podcast. You can find my work on NBCWashington.com. And if you go to FanRag Sports, by the time you hear this, I should have a story up about John Wall's injury. We're going to talk about that in just a second, why he's going to be probably at a second straight game Tuesday and maybe at longer than that. Uh, we're also going to talk about a big trade in the NBA today. Blake Griffin, gone from the Clippers to the Pistons. And uh, obviously Pistons, one of those teams in the East, trying to uh, get a playoff spot, keep up with the Wizards, and so on. So we'll get to all that here on the Lockdown Wizards podcast. By the way, you can find all the episodes on iTunes or Stitcher, anywhere else you do your podcasting. And here to help us break it down, <clears throat> the man, the Las Vegas Summer League legend, Mr. Adam Rubin. Sir, thank you for your time. As always, how... Uh, how was your uh, weekend? Was your weekend as good as the Wizards uh, performed in Atlanta? Were you in a sharing is caring mode this weekend? Well, I enjoyed the performance in Atlanta, but then I also had a, a nice last second win in, a, in, in my three on three game last night. So yeah, it was a good weekend, I guess. How, did you guys have uh, 40 assists on 49 field goals like the Wizards did in Atlanta, even without John Wall? No, but we had a ton of turnovers and blew a late lead. So it was more of – it was that type of Wizards performance. Got it. It was when they lost four out of five right before this game, that type of Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. All right, so so let's get into this here. Um, couple – all right, so, so let's just start with this. Um, we already knew John Wall – okay, so he didn't – John Wall didn't play Saturday – with with left knee soreness, this is the same knee that it caused him to sit out nine games earlier this season uh, because he had some injections in it. This is the same knee he had a procedure on in 2016. So in and of itself, that is a concern right there, just the fact that it, we're dealing with the same issue. Any injury is a problem for a player like John Wall where speed is everything, more or less. That is particularly concerning. But, you know, he obviously has played, and while there's been the up and downs as far as Movement, and you know, we saw that uh, that Zach Lowe stat about how he's mo he's moving less than any player in the league. Despite some of that stuff, he, you know, he's generally played well. He's worthy of the All Star nod that he received. Uh, but nonetheless, you, you have to look at this general scenario as concerning. Now we get to today, meaning Monday, at practice, Scott Brooks revealed to reporters, "I was not there," which is why when everybody says two reporters, it means they weren't there. I wasn't there today. Uh, I was doing other things, which you'll find out about later. <laughs> uh, anyway, at uh, at practice today, Scott Brooks said that John Wall had an MRI, and that this part we already knew, that Wall was going to go to Cleveland to meet with the surgeons who performed the procedure on him in 2016. But Brooks did have a few comments that, that, that are of something of a concerning sound. He said among them, this is what he said according to the Washington Post, quote, it's a concern, meaning about John's knee. It's a concern, but we have to trust that the doctors and everybody else is going to have the best game plan 
for him going forward. And it's always about going forward, not about us. It's about him going forward, not about us going forward. We want to make sure, not only with John, but with all our guys, that their career is most important. But right now, I don't know how concerned, but we're definitely concerned that it is bothering him from time to time. Now, as far as I can tell, Adam, I didn't see anybody, and maybe you did. I didn't necessarily read every report from today's practice, but I didn't see anybody necessarily talk about how long he would be out. And I don't think anybody necessarily knows yet. In fact, I know nobody knows yet. Because what I was told tonight by multiple sources is that there is some sense that he could be out for some time is what one person said to me. Now, again, this is prior to anybody hearing what the second opinion is from the Cleveland doctors. But if nothing else, it may be to the point of sort of what Scott Brooks just said. They got to view this look big picture, not just right now. And while you and I and everybody else talking about the Wizards is focused on how does this team, you know, get closer to being in the top three in the conference, not being in fifth and, you know, possibly sliding backwards. Uh, but this is also a guy that has a his four-year, $170 million extension doesn't even kick in until next year. So there are big picture and current uh, picture d- discussions, and right now the Wizards are definitely uh, thinking about the bigger picture. So I, I present all that to you. You you were not a doctor, but you stayed at a, a Holiday Inn Express probably at some point in your life. Um, <laughs> I tell you all that, your your level of concern at this moment is what? Well, if there was, there is enough discomfort to cause him to want a second opinion and to get an MRI. So I would say, if, even if he woke up tomorrow and said, my bad, it actually feels 100% fine right now, you still would expect that he would take off several days because I'm just having that you know, pain right now. And we know it's not going to go away tomorrow. So uh, I'm saying that to mean, I think we have to assume he will be off. I don't know. I was guessing at least, uh, you know, seven to 10 days, you'll get one of those, you know, announcements that's just to see how it goes and if the swelling or the pain will subside at a minimum. That's if nothing else changes, we'll give him some time to see if the, the pain goes away. But I would say in terms of concern, yeah, I would have high concern that this is going to be a recurring issue, at least in the near term, that it's going to be if he comes back in two weeks or three weeks, who knows, you know, if a week later he's going to say, oh, I have discomfort again, and then you got to shut him down again. Because these type of things you have to take seriously. And when he does get swelling, you can't just run him out there again. We can't just keep pushing him back too early. So anytime any little thing comes up, it's going to have to be treated with kids' gloves and, and give him, you know, more time off than you would even, uh, you know, expect, certainly in the regular season. So I would have concerns that this will be a, a recurring thing. Uh you know, in, in the in the in the near in the, in the immediate future. I mean, talking about over the next four to six weeks. I mean, I, I, it seems like they're going to be handling him with with care. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, you know, I I'm always hesitant to, you know, I I don't know. Maybe it's my nature, or I don't know. Maybe I'm just not cutthroat enough. But I'm always hesitant when I put something out as I did just now, which again will be up on FanRag Sports a little bit. I don't want to step on the story. You can go read it or whatever. But uh, but basically, you know, when, when people say, you know, they're going to – when the suggestion is that they're going to have to consider bigger picture stuff because, you know, uh, of, of you know the, what John Wall means and all that, and it, therefore it could be multiple weeks as opposed to games. You know, multiple weeks, for those of you who are not good at math, could just mean – Two doesn't have to mean ten. So you know, let's not go. So nobody have a panic attack. 
Um, that said, as you just pointed out to me a few minutes ago, when you look at the All-Star break, which com- the Wizards' last game before the All-Star break is Valentine's Day, February 14th, again, at, at the Knicks. So there are, starting with the game tomorrow, that's what, what what'd you say, 10 games? Well, up until January, yeah. up until February 24th, they, they, it was 10 games from now to February 24th. So if you give them, you know, that's about three and a half weeks, almost a month, it, it would be 10 games. All right. Well, so, but if we just go to the all-star break, but just for that, so that would be eight games to the all-star break. Um, and it's mostly, it's at five on the roads, five, three split, the three home games, Oklahoma city, Toronto, and Boston. So, so not exactly an easy stretch there at all. But so, so if we just look at it to the All Star game, that's eight. Uh, that that that's eight games. He just and he just missed one the other day against Atlanta. So that would be nine, which would match the nine he missed earlier this season when he had injections in his knee. Uh, the Wizards went four and five in that stretch. They're six and six without him on the season. <sighs> You know, I'll say this. I said this to you before we started. You know, I agree. You have to look at the bigger picture in this case because of what John Wall means. But at the same point, you know, we can't just discount this season. And this goes back to the whole point of when you when they blew these games earlier in the season, it just makes it that much more complicated now for him to potentially sit. I mean, even if they go 500 the rest of the way, they won't be gaining ground most likely on anybody in front of them. And, you know, that doesn't mean that they can't, hold serve to some degree, but the margin for error is not that great. And, you know, I'm not counting on Sadoransky and Tim Frazier to have 21 assists and three turnovers like they did against Atlanta. So the the, the theme of the season, those those bad losses early, is going to maybe come, by, come back to bite him here if, they, if in fact, he's out for a while uh, and, you know, they're okay, not good, not but not, you know, not really good. Well, it's sort of a, there's a silver lining in their blowing the games early because they're now at a point where even if they turn it on a little bit, you still would expect the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Cavs, even with the Cavs fading, they're still you know 10 games over 500. I would expect those three teams to be the top three teams. I had already given up hope that Washington was going to pass them anyway. So my point is by having already gone to the point where the 27 and 22 and a disappointment. Wall has not been playing, at least in the last few games, he, he, he didn't look to be 100%. And I don't think, if he's out, I think they have enough with the starting unit, they have enough to bring in Sadoransky to play 500 ball or to play possibly even at the same winning percentage that they have already this season. They're not going to jump up. You can forget you know, moving up. They probably won't catch Miami. But I don't think it's that huge of a drop-off from the poor performance they've been showing through the first, uh, you know, 49 games. So I'm not saying Sadoransky can do what John Wall does when John Wall is healthy. I'm just saying I think they can, by playing more like they did against Atlanta, I mean, Sadoransky is much better off the ball than John Wall. He'll give it to Beal, then he'll he'll spread the floor around, he'll move around, he'll get them into sets, he passes, and he cuts off the ball. So it's just if the other guys will step up and start taking shots, like Marquise and like Otto, they're, I think they're able to play at a 500 pace. Now, that doesn't mean that's not what we were expecting coming into the season. It doesn't mean, oh, they're fine, just play 500 and see what happens. It, just, it would be a disappointment. But I think they can maintain where they are. If Wall were somehow to, to be able to come back healthy, I think they could be okay, um, you know, in his absence, if it's, of course, just a, 
three to four week absence. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I, I, so I guess anything is a, a lot of speculation in terms of because uh, one, we don't know how long he would be out. So, projecting anything beyond that is crazy. Is, is is you know we don't have to do any more than we already have. And I get your point that maybe it's already too late. But that said, I I have a strong issue with with sort of just letting that pass. Yes, they're two and a half behind Cleveland for three. So what? I don't care that Cleveland's screwing around. The Wizards should be better than where they're at because of the way that they've been oh. screwing around. And so just I'm just saying oh, definitely. Yeah, so I'm just saying they like you're right, maybe they can go 500 the rest of the way and that'll be good enough. Uh, like, you know, if you tell me right now that if he, if Wall were to miss the next 8 games and they go 4 and 4, would you take that now? I'd probably say yes, but again, I mean, you know, even if they're even if they get to the 4 and 5 seed with Miami, if that's the way things end up, but they're the five seed, then they don't get game seven at home. That would be a problem. They're, they're tied right now with Indiana, essentially, uh, and they play Indiana uh, coming up. Milwaukee just fired their coach. They've won three in a row, so they're coming up. The, the Sixers have, been, have seven and three in their last ten. I mean, the only reason – so I'm just saying that we don't know where things are going to go, and who knows in any direction, but the larger point is because of the, <laughs> the screwing around earlier in the year – now they're in this position where they, they need to sit John Wall. If I mean, if the situation they decide they need to sit him, make that call. But you unfortunately didn't give yourself any wiggle room because of what happened um, er, earlier on. Um, r- rather than uh, repeating ourselves on anything further, let me just go back to, to this. I will say this. Like, part of my concern is that the whole reason Sadoransky got back involved weeks ago was because he was better with the second unit than Tim Frazier. Now, Tim Frazier looked really good the other game, the other day, 14 assists, obviously, in like, you know, 27 minutes. You'll take that all the time. Atlanta, not good. Um, and, 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 and there is some potential there, potential for difference because Kelly Oubre is a different player than he was earlier in the season. So my only question is, what are we going to get out of that second unit? I think Sadoransky, to some degree, will be okay. I don't like him at all against Westbrook Tuesday, but you know, (laughs) but, but I guess my concern is now Tim Frazier is going to have to play. And while I'm, Fine with Tim Frazier in a general sense. It just didn't work with the second unit earlier in the season, which led to the change. And that's sort of why I'm saying if if we get back to that point where the bench isn't holding up its own end, not saying they will, but if they don't, then that's where I start becoming concerned about what the, what this record looks like if Wall's out for a while. And it's also it's not even that much. I mean, yes, Frazier would be a question mark, but it's really more of the Meeks, this puts a much bigger strain on the Meeks-Beal situation. I know you like to mention about the minutes that Beal has to play when Meeks is out. If Sadoransky is the backup point guard, he only played 22 minutes last game because it was a blowout and Frazier played a lot of minutes. But you could see Sadoransky playing 30, 35 minutes as the backup point guard. That would limit Tim Frazier's minutes. But the issue is, if Sadoransky is only on the court playing backup point guard, then what do you deal when, when Beal has to sit? You know, Sadoransky can't slide slide in with Beal there because Beal's out. It's just Sadoransky and Meeks really is the only shooting guard. So that's where we're going to see the tension of whether Brooks feels that he can really trust, you know, uh, Meeks out there. And if not, Sadoransky is no longer a option as a shooting guard, you know, and, it, and, you know, and in case of emergency option, but sometimes he is being used in the backcourt alongside Wall and alongside Beal. But, you know, what do you do when Sadoransky's taken out of that shooting guard equation and it's only Meeks? You know, how, how do you how do you handle that? Can you play Meeks 
Well, they 18 to, minutes a game. They, they have no choice. They have to. I mean, they have to play Meeks. I mean, you, I mean, look, if they play, I mean, here, I mean, if they play, if again, we're hyper, we're, we're 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 projecting. But if if Wall was out for a while, you can't play Bradley Beal 40 minutes a game. So he has. Right, yeah, I mean, yeah. Brooks might, but I'm saying you can't. So Meeks is going to have to play, which again goes back to the point of, you know, because they've had these situations and blah blah blah. You know. But by the way, I will say. The Wizards could go out and sign a 10-day player, a player to a 10-day contract now. Um, you know, something we've talked about in various ways about the need. Hey, you've got an open roster spot. The back, the final three spots in your bench, you're not doing anything. Why don't you go adjust that? Um, they haven't done that. But with the deadline coming up February 8th, you know, I, I, I suspect, my, my sense is they're going to wait and, and see, one, if, you know, can they get by record-wise, and two, you know, because basically, basically the 8th to right now is basically 10 days. So I think they'd rather keep that roster spot open for flexibility and a potential trade and just hope that what they have is enough. And, and by the way, we can say that, you know, it's you, you, you'll probably see some minutes with Otto and Beal playing the two, you know, go into some bigger lineups perhaps. But, uh, you know, that that's maybe a little more of a break in case of emergency or, or you know, depending on what else is happening. Yeah, and this is also going to complicate any type of inquiries they're making for trades in general because the thought was always the typical move that Ernie makes is a patchwork trade midway through the season to try to get over the hump. But now the question is figuring out how long Wall's going to be out and and whether you want to waste a first-round pick, if that's what they choose to do, or another asset to try to compete this season if you're still unsure about what Wall's going to be doing. So this this adds another layer to that question of do you go out and try to get a, a another score if it's only for the purpose of getting you over the hump? You know you need to be more uh, concerned now about whether Wall's again. I know I'm not speculating about how long he's going to be out, but just in general, you have to know if he's going to be fully healthy. You want to see what the second opinion is that it's going to lead you to maybe only having a few days to to make a decision on whether to pull the trigger just philosophically. Are we, is Washington a buyer? Is Washington attempting to salvage the season and move up to the top three or, or not? And Wall just adds a huge layer of, of uh, complication to that analysis. Yeah. I mean, my sense is that I don't, I doubt they're a big buyer either way. I mean, they don't have the, they don't have the assets to give up to make a big move like the one that the Pistons <laughs> made today. And we'll get to that well, certainly. in a second. But I mean, yeah, I mean, also, I, I think ultimately they still want to keep their first round pick would be my guess, but you know, obviously it's all relative to what, what the offer is, but I don't think they're going to make a huge deal regardless, um, which is, I'm not even saying that they necessarily should, you know, Atlanta was terrible and they didn't have wall and this, that, and the other, but the other night was another example of how they can, they have this, the, the issue has not been talent. The issue has been, uh, being a cohesive group, especially defensively of late. And, you know, we don't know if that's, that, that hasn't been solved since, you know, Wall's not even playing at the moment. Um, all right. In any event, we'll, 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 we'll wait on that. We'll see what happens with the reports. Uh, maybe we'll hear something presumably by tomorrow. So we will see how that goes. I, I, I will be at that game. I plan to go to shoot around as well. So if anything ha- comes up that, we will let you know. Uh, Let's also now hear Adam on the uh, old Locked On Wizards podcast. By the way, I didn't say this on the earlier, but you can follow, follow Adam on Twitter at Liddell's Place, as in Liddell Eccles, and you can read his stuff on 
truthaboutit.net, a fine wizard's blog, if I do say so myself. Um, so in a just a second here, Adam, I say we talk about this big trade in the NBA today, Blake Griffin going to the Pistons. Now, I, I, I saw some, you know, of course, Adrian Wojnarowski from Yahoo was all over this, not surprising. Uh, he said this thing has been a few days in the works, but the end result basically is this, that the Clippers are trading Blake Griffin to the Pistons for Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, Boban Maranovic, and a first-round pick and a second-round pick. Uh, That is a huge deal. For the purposes of the Locked on Wizards podcast, we'll try to focus more on the Pistons, but I will just say from the Clippers' standpoint, I think it was a really it was a really good trade. One, I'm not a big Blake Griffin fan at all. Two, I think it's you know I, I think without Chris Paul, he's not the same player. Somebody was suggesting that to me after the trade. Uh, three, I like Tobias Harris a lot. Avery Bradley's on, and he's there for two more years. I think Avery Bradley's an expiring deal, but he'll obviously help them now. They're still trying to make the playoffs now, but with getting rid of Griffin's money, they now open themselves up for the potential of signing free agents in the offseason. And we've heard that there's one guy in particular who may be interested in going to L.A., Mr. LeBron James. I, that seems unlikely that they could get him. But I, I like that trade. But what do you think about it from the Pistons' standpoint, a team that is careening right now? I mean, right now there's looking like good, like eight teams for the playoffs because the Pistons have lost eight in a row. They are three games out of the eight spot, not to mention four and a half out of the Wizards' place. So what do you think about it from the Pistons' point of view? Going all in on Blake Griffin, who's got a who just signed a big extension this summer. Um, he'll be there for a while and cost them a lot of money. It seems odd uh, to me because I'm not a big fan of Blake Griffin, uh, and Tobias is playing very well. Uh, Avery Bradley has been injured. I don't know if this is a concern about the groin injury or not thinking. If you look at it as going all in, as in Detroit's attempting to improve their team for this season then they have to think that Avery Bradley is still going to be saddled a little bit by an injury. I know he's been disappointing this season as compared to how he was on Boston, but still that's two big, big contributors you're losing. And then to throw in the first round pick, it has protections, but not that high of a protections. I think it was just one to four for like the next couple of years. Uh, so, I mean, you would assume they're, they're probably going to, it's going to probably convey this year. You know, they're not going to have a top one to four pick I'm guessing. So, they're going to be losing their pick this year, and that just seems like Blake Griffin, an extremely injury-prone guy. I just don't see wanting to go all in and give give up that that much for him and take on that much money. So I don't know if they're looking maybe not just this season but beyond if they think that when they get the point guard back and then he and Andre and Blake would be a better fit together. I, I don't know what they're thinking long-term, but I, as a Wizards fan, I'm not concerned about Detroit – making any waves with Blake Griffin and and I was surprised they would give up give up that much. Yeah, I don't I, I'm with you. I don't I don't like this at all. I um you know this is this is why this is a good example of why you never let one guy be the coach and the GM. Because those well, both teams, <laughs> what's that? No, I was gonna say to your point I'll let you. I'll let you finish. I just want to say this was yes, it's a Sam Van Gundy being the coach and GM. But then look at who just traded with him. It was Doc Rivers after he got stripped of his coach and GM. So it's like you're seeing a coach and GM trade with someone who to a team that formerly had the coach and GM. 
But yes, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, and and because I mean, you know, for the obvious, a, a coach is worried about the moment, and the GM has got to look at it bigger picture. And I, I, I just don't. I mean, I just yeah, I just don't sort of get it. Like my my, uh, my guy Dan Feldman with NBC Sports, who's been on here uh, many times. Uh, he was he's a Pistons guy at heart, and he was tweeting basically that. It feels like this may be Van Gundy's way of sort of saying, okay, well, I don't know where we're going to go this year with Reggie Jackson hurt, but next year we'll got Griffin, we'll got Drummond, and we'll got Jackson, and, you know, let's see what we can do there. Because at that point, that might be his last chance to save his job. And going forward after that, he doesn't, you know, what if Blake Griffin is around, who gives a crap? <laughs> I mean, Blake Griffin just signed something along the lines of like a four-year, $140 million deal, and this guy has been injury-prone. I mean, I guess you could, you know, depending how you want to view John Wall, I guess you could maybe start to say that about him, but I wouldn't go there quite yet. Uh, but Blake Griffin's had some more injuries, and, and he's been more injury-prone. So I'm not a big fan of him on multiple levels. You guys have heard me complain or, 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 or just point out that in fourth quarter is a big game. He's a disaster. Um, so – uh, yeah, I don't. I, to me, it just feels like desperation. A team that is completely going down the toilet. Uh, Van Gundy, the, the the coach, saying we got to do something, and the, the Van Gundy, the GM, saying, "Fine, I don't even know if I'll be here in another year, so let's just make this and see what happens." Well, my issue with Blake as a player is that you can't, and this is his fourth quarter problems. He's not a guy you can just give the ball to in the post in the fourth at the end of game and say, "Here's the ball." go make something happen. He's more than likely to do a try a spin move and fall down, you know, JaVel McGee style than he is to convert. So having someone like him and Drummond together, who both are similar in that regard, you can't, I know Drummond's much improved and should be an all-star this year. And I believe will be the all-star if John Wall misses the game, but both those guys aren't great at pulling them away from the basket and then having them, you know, make a move. And, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're looking at it longer term with having Reggie Jackson back, it, you know, makes some sense. But and they, I, you have to assume they weren't going to pay Avery Bradley what they thought he was going to pay. So they're figuring what to give him away. And but that first round pick, uh, you know, that's that's a big deal to give up. I don't know. I would have traded Tobias Harris in a first round pick for Blake Griffin. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm just not a big Blake Griffin fan. So I guess that obviously colors. Yeah. Colors the, the analysis. No, I'm with you. The Clippers also did give up Bryce Johnson, who was a first-round pick a couple of years ago out of North Carolina, yeah. and another big man, Willie Reed. So I guess the Pistons get a little more depth there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like Tobias Harris enough, and I don't like Blake Griffin. So even though, yes, Blake Griffin's a better player than Harris, I don't love it that much. I don't, I don't think it's that much that I would give up all the other stuff. But we will see. Uh, now, more interesting maybe for the Wizards uh, – Woj also said that the Clippers are still continuing to pursue packages for DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams. They want young players and picks. So if we can bring it back to the Wizards and we take, we assume that Kelly Oubre is off the table, that probably means DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams are not coming here, which is not really that big of a surprise. Uh, Lou Williams would certainly be interesting, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't see, uh, I don't see that happening. But nonetheless, the Clippers are it looks like the. I guess it depends on what they're trying to do. On the one hand, they're trying to make the playoffs, so you can't really trade those guys and still try to make the playoffs. So we'll we'll, we'll see if, if they actually even make those trades. But if they do, I don't think the Wizards will be involved. 
Well, it's interesting because they say they're looking for young players or picks. So, I mean, and then on the other hand, you're saying they're still trying to make the playoffs. So, I mean, if the Woj report is correct and they are looking for young players or picks, I mean, then it's not necessarily they were making a move thinking that Tobias and Avery Bradley could maybe give them more depth and be better for the playoffs. Woj simultaneously says they're not tanking. They're still trying to make the playoffs and says the other part that they're open to. Yeah, but that's. So I think they're just saying, if you want to blow us away, knock your knock our socks off. Go ahead. Yeah, but I mean, I yeah, I mean, I read it as as you know, they're they're taking offers on on DeAndre and Lou, uh, but yes, obviously, it would have to be something that they're willing to accept. But um, I, I I wouldn't. I mean, if I don't know what Lou Williams is he, interesting, I don't know what Lou Williams is gonna command i mean if a first round pick would get lou williams um i i don't know that i don't think you can put off the table like offering a first round pick and and jody meeks and then expiring filler that you don't think ernie grunfeld would pick up the phone and ask to trade mac i think it would take mac mccullough to add them in you know the expiring deals and jody meeks for and a first for Lou Williams. I'm not trading the first round pick for an expiring contract. No, 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 I, no, I, no, no, I, I know that's what you're saying, but I'm saying in a not ready to give up on the season yet type move um, that it's beyond that. There's no possibility that Ernie could could make that type of offer. Hey, anything is possible in the wacky NBA. I just think even the Wizards can't look at the situation anymore and just think we can keep giving away another first-round pick. I mean, it's already, I mean, I just don't think they can do it for an expiring. Uh, I thought that was I thought that was the case last year as well, and they did it. Yeah, but last um, year was different though because Nicholson's contract was so extreme, and it helped them shed enough money to do the other things that they did. This isn't that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I think. Jody Meeks oh, is making that much money, so to, to to give away a first for twenty games of Lou plus the playoffs of Lou Williams or anybody, I mean, you'd have to think you're getting to the finals, like to uh to to make that kind of move. At least that that's how I would look at it. Well, I, I I'm they got more in return last year simply by what they were able to dump, but I think this year they have more to lose. If they're going to drop down, if they drop down to a sixth, seventh, eighth seed, I mean, I think the, I think there could be a thought in the front office that we need to sort of stem, you know, st- you know, stop the bleeding here, uh, and and not have a lost season like the way they did after making the playoffs twice and missing it, you know, with Randy Whitman. So I'm just saying that would be the mentality that they would be, if they were to make a move like that, that would be the mentality, putting more of an emphasis on. We can't take a step back and be the eighth seed this season. That's going to lose all momentum from a team wise and also from a marketing wise. They, also from a let's, let's just be clear: if they don't have home court advantage, they took a step back. I mean, there. That's what I'm saying earlier. They've already taken the step back. That's why even going 500 now and just sort of maintaining status quo is not necessarily good enough. I mean, look if you if you're the seventh seed and you win two game, you you win a series or two. Well then, well then that changes things. But I'm just saying. For where they're at now, they've already taken a step back if they don't catch up to being, you know, at least the four seed. Um, and, oh, I agree. And, they, they, not to mention at least win a round. 
Oh, I agree. They've already taken a step back. That's why I'm saying I'm in agreement. I'm saying they've already, the reason why I'm saying losing John Wall for, for a period of time, the reason why I'm saying it wouldn't be that so bad is because they've already screwed themselves. Like they've already put themselves in a position where they've already screwed themselves and going 500 is doesn't hurt them that much. The only reason why that wouldn't hurt them that much is because they've already screwed themselves. They're 27 and 22. They're a couple of games out of the playoffs already, even with John Wall. So that's, yeah. So I agree that they're, it's already, uh, you know, they're already put themselves in a bad position, but one thing that the team does like to the focus on, they do focus on optics. They do need something to, to sell that this isn't a failure. Uh, and that's one thing they, they're, they're good at the, you know, pushing that narrative after a season, which the fans might consider disappointing, but they give something to sort of build on for the future. Uh, so anyway, that's what I'm saying would be a, something that would get the Ernie on the phones. I'm not saying it makes necessarily basketball sense. I'm just saying, I, I think they would be fighting hard to avoid a, falling to the eighth seed or seventh seed or eighth seed, losing in the first round and, and having not, you know, done anything to try to, to stop it. Um, well, I guess I would then you know, have to keep going around and around. I think we're sort of saying the same thing, except I'm already there. Like they're already in this position and I'm already saying, I don't think they're trading the first round pick. And my sense from the last time I checked in with people was that that's where they that's where their head was at. And by the yeah. way, if John Wall is actually injured now for a while, that actually gives them the excuse to some degree to not do more. Uh, well, well, and uh, th- that's one of the other issues. Well, we'll wait until we get the second second opinion. But one thing I absolutely do not want to see happen is John Wall be injured, and that the narrative switch to oh well, I guess the season's over because John Wall's injured, as if they didn't already screw up the season, you know, leading up to this point. So I, I hope that we you know can not move into a narrative oh I guess injuries derailed our season type thing. So um, so I'm agreeing with you 100. percent They've 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 screwed themselves over already. I, I just, I don't want to put everything on, on wall or the outcome of the injury or the outcome of whether they make a trade. I mean, they, they, they're the ones who've done this to themselves and I don't want to give the, the, the team a free pass, you know, based on, based on injuries or, or trades that might happen or not happen. I mean, the one thing I will say in their behalf is in the first 12 games when wall came back from the nine game absence, they went nine and three. It was then yeah. after that where it's, things have started to be like, what's going on here? And, you know, Wall's taking a lot more shots and things like that, which doesn't necessarily sound like somebody who's injured. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe, my point is they were 9-3 and three in the first 12 games he got back. So something was working to some degree, and then things have gone sideways. And I don't know if that's where it maybe had a setback or I don't know what. In any event, we'll end it there because I'm tired. And I don't know what else to say because right now we're just speculating, but – we will hope for the best, not hoping for the best for the Pistons. Don't like that trade, but I, you know what? I haven't liked a lot of the trades over the last year, and they've all, for the most part, come back, gone opposite of the way I would imagine. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so what do I know? Um, all right, let's end it there. Adam, appreciate it. You got anything up on truthaboutit.net people need to be looking at? Uh, well, I mean, we had up a, a roundtable on what's wrong with the Wizards, so if you want to read more about what the hell happened to the team this year? But again, that can be depressing. So, I mean, read at your own will. All right, do that. And like I said, I've got something up on FanRag Sports, hopefully by the time you hear this, uh, about the, the John Wall situation. And uh, that's it for now. Appreciate you guys checking out the podcast as always. Uh, and until next time.
Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive. Long shot. Dagger!